0: Welcome to New Life Miami. And thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are love. We're at a place in which um we, we've done a, a week fast and we've come. The church was open at 5 in the morning um, every single day. And for you, for you 5 a.m.ers, you know that, that God truly just um, was here in a special way this week, wasn't he? Um, for you guys that were praying at home and, and throughout the week and texting and just involved in the groups or maybe just on your own there fasting and, and, and in agreement with the church, I know that, that God has, has uh, definitely visited us in a special way. He did something awesome um, in, in our midst. It was difficult um how many of you food was just presented before you but you had to stand strong i know i know we did it together man um uh, many many were the times where i said maybe i should just uh taste this but uh no i i just kept feeding (laughs) i just kept feeding my son and i didn't taste it so so i was able to surpass this one with you all amen (laughs) praise god Today we're going to continue in our shift as we've been discussing shift uh, last Sunday and then on Wednesday and then again today. And uh, this was actually the message that I was supposed to share last week in which the Lord just kind of said, Nah, I want to do something totally different and we're okay with God changing plans in the middle of the service. Amen? Amen. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. Today's message is titled, Shift in Our Attitude. Shift, how many of you just want to leave already? Like, oh, (laughs) dang. Maybe some new people are here, and you're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You're going to talk about attitude today. Yeah, shift in our attitude. What I'm going to do is next week, I'm going to continue with the next A, which is a shift in the atmosphere. Don't miss that one. And then the third, don't miss any of them. And then the third one, a shift in his anointing. Everyone say attitude. Attitude. Say atmosphere. And Say anointing. Yeah, there are three A's. We, we, we figured AAA would not be a good title to call this series. So a shift in our attitude is what God put in our hearts, a shift in the atmosphere, and a shift in his anointing. How many of you already since last week have felt a sort of shift in your life already? I know I have. I know I have. John C. Maxwell, John Maxwell, a great leader and, and a leader among leaders, says this, The greatest day in your life and mine... Is when we take total responsibility for our attitudes. And that's the day we truly grow up. What an awesome quote. And, and as I get into this message, I want us to be responsible for our attitudes, like that, how people react and how they treat us how they speak about you or to you, that it will no longer have power over you. Have you ever had, or not had, have you ever allowed someone's words, someone's treatment over you to have power over your life that it almost cripples you? Right? I want that when we get to, 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 to a point today that, that our attitudes and the way we live are not, are not shifted by other people or by other voices or by other things anymore our attitude is firm in who Christ has made us and is calling us. You know, our attitude, at least I'm speaking to myself and looking at a mirror here, but our attitudes, man, are so easily swayed. I know that there are many of us that, that, that would agree with that, are so easily swayed. Think about this, by your circumstances, by your surroundings, like I just said, by the people, by what you watch, by what you hear, um, attitudes, man. Just swayed so quickly. I think about the passage, if you're writing notes, in Ephesians chapter 4. The passage where in verse 14, it says this, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. And then it talks about like, by every doctrine, trickery of men, deceitful plotting, so on and so forth. But I love that beginning part of that verse, right? That we should no longer be children tossed to, to and fro. No foundation, not rooted in, just like swaying in everything. And, and maybe in our lives it's not doctrine that we're swaying in or the trickery of men. Maybe it's not in deceitful plotting. But maybe it's our attitudes that is constantly challenging us. Just attitudes that are constantly in our faces, challenging us deep down within us. And because of our attitudes, we struggle. And we struggle in our faith. I'm wondering that if some of us here are struggling in our faith, if it's for this one reason that we just need an attitude change. Now, one of the main reasons why we're struggling, maybe it's because our attitudes are not right. Maybe we struggle in building relationships with people and friendships with people because of our attitudes. Maybe for some of us, we struggle in serving the Lord and and I want to go deeper. Just like that, like you saying today, I want that, I want the hidden places, I, I want these secret places, but, but there's an attitude problem that doesn't get us into that place. There's just this bad, negative, wrong, ungodly attitude, so we struggle in our service unto the Lord, huh? Just like John Maxwell says, man, the greatest day in your life is when you take on total responsibility for that attitude, and that's the day that we truly grow up. I really pray this, man. I, I pray this that today here at church, many of us are just going to decide to grow up. And where we're going to start is I'm going to start to grow up in this attitude that is actually harming me rather than blessing me. How many of you could say amen? Man. In Isaiah chapter 43, the Lord is speaking to Israel. Hopefully you're, at, you're there at that passage already. And he's speaking to them. I'm going to get back to attitude in a second. Just, there's a reason why I'm going to jump into this passage. He's speaking to Israel in regards to restoring Israel. And as the Lord speaks through Isaiah to Israel, I'm going to actually read verses 1 through 3, and I'm going to skip down to verse 19. For us. I don't have the time to read the whole passage. But just so you could get more or less the meat of what's happening here in chapter 43. Look at this. It says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, who has formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you and I have called you by name, you are mine. And when you pass through the waters, one translation says through the deep waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, one says the rivers of difficulty, they shall not overflow you, they shall not drown you. When you walk through the fire, the fire of oppression, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then he says in verse 19, I'm going to skip there for a moment. It says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It's a powerful passage to Israel in a time where Israel needed to hear that. I mean, if you know anything about Israel's history, I mean, it was constant bondage. If you know anything about Israel's history, it is constant imprisonment. I mean, slavery constantly. And when you walk into a millions of individuals that were in constant slavery, in constant bondage, and the Lord speaks such a word, and he says this to you, Hey, you've passed through deep waters, but I will continue, right, to be with you. You've gone through rivers of difficulty, but they're not going to drown you. You will walk through the fire and you have the fire of oppression, but you will not be scorched by them. And then he goes on to give them this promise. And he says, I'm going to do a new thing and it's going to come forth and you're going to know it. And I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Can you imagine what that does to people who for so many years have been in bondage and because of that bondage for so many years their attitudes have been in the wrong place because of that bondage. Maybe Because of that imprisonment, can you imagine the attitudes and the mindset that these people were in? And he's basically telling Israel, I'm shifting you. Everyone say shifting. Yeah, he's shifting us. And here he's telling Israel, I'm shifting you from something old into something new. Into something better, into something greater. And as he's Giving them this promise that I'm shifting you. He's reminding them of his constant goodness, of his constant faithfulness. Do you know that one of the greatest attacks that our attitude has towards us is we start to meddle down and we start to for, we stop to forget. We forget about the goodness and the faithfulness of God in our lives. That one moment we are, we are in the light of his glory. We are basking in the goodness and in the faithfulness of God. And as soon as our attitudes get shook, now we are in the valleys and we have forgotten the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And he's telling them this, that when you pass through deep waters, I will be with you. That when you go through rivers of difficulty, they will not drown you. That when you walk through fires of oppression, you will not be burned. For I am the Lord, your God, your Savior. How many of you today, if you are in Christ, you know exactly about this stuff? And you have experienced what shift is at some point or another in your life. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Many of us have experienced this in our own personal lives, have you? And because you've experienced this in your own personal lives, you know exactly what shift is. You know what it means to go from darkness into light. From sin into holiness. But sometimes when we are serving the Lord and seeking the things of the Lord, so easy, That our bad attitudes continue to remain. But in the midst of serving the Lord, anyone in here ever found a road, a path in the midst of maybe what you have said has been a wilderness in your life? I know I have. Many of you have maybe received rivers, rivers in what many of us would call deserts in our lives. And I believe this year the Lord wants to mature us. And he wants to shift us to greater things. And I believe this for all of us here. One of the great things that God wants to do in us, he wants to shift us from our attitudes. How many of you could say amen? In this move of God in your life, that we would remember his faithfulness. The roads and the paths in our wilderness, the rivers in our deserts, because he knows what's best for us. He's the Lord God, our Savior. So here we go. The passage that I'm going to sit on today. The passage that I want to preach on today is found in Philippians chapter 2. And if we, as we go to Philippians chapter 2, go to verses 5, 6, 7, and 8 with me. Because maybe you're here and you're like, so what do I do? What kind of attitude should I have? Where should I start, Pastor Rigo, Where do I go from here? I get what you're saying. But if I'm going to have any kind of attitude, where do I begin? And what kind of attitude should I have? I'm going to tell you right now, the attitude that we should have is, is the same as Christ. Write that in your notes. I'm going to have the attitude of Christ in me. In Philippians 2, verse 5, you with me? It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. NLT says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Verse 6 says, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, meaning he gave up his divine privileges, taking the form of a bondservant, meaning he took the humble position of a slave. Verse 7 continues and says, And coming, on into, coming in as the, into the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, and look at this, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8, we could learn plenty from this passage. Plenty. I want you to write down these four things about our attitudes and how, they should, how we could change them. Number one, what do we learn from Christ? Number one, give up your privileges. Write that down. Number two, what else do we learn in this passage? That we would take on the position of slave. We learn that on New Year's Day service. Take the position of slave. And that changes our attitude. Number three, that we would humble ourselves. And then the fourth one, exactly like Christ displayed, that we'd be obedient. That whatever the cost for his perfect will, that we would be obedient. So as we start this year and as we start going forward, that we'd have a shift in our attitudes. And it would be the same attitude of Jesus Christ. I love what John Maxwell says, right? People may hear your words, but they will feel your attitude. And this is why I wanted to go into these four points. Because many times we say we're Christians, but the attitude that we hold before people draws anyone from the Christ in which we represent. And that's why I want to jump into these four things. The second one I won't jump into too much because I have a 60-minute preaching on it on our podcast that you can listen to on our app, so I won't re-preach that. But the truth is here are four truths where people not just hear our words but that they could also feel the power of a positive, of a godly attitude in us. How many of you can say amen? amen? So here we go. Number one, that we would give up our privileges. That we would give up our privileges. As we dive into this first one and we just share some thoughts on it, think about what that means to you. Because I know at times, man, we feel like we have the, sp- the special right to feel, to say, to act, to think, to react a certain way. At times, we feel like we have the advantage or it's to our benefit, whatever it is that we're going through. But Paul says in Philippians 2 that Jesus made himself of no reputation and that he gave up all of his divine privileges. When you look this up in the Greek, it literally means this, that he has emptied, that he has poured out of himself. That he gave up status and he gave up privilege is what it means there. Paul is not saying that that Christ became less than God. What Paul is actually telling us there is that he gave up his divine attributes. Not that he became less of God. And what this means is that Christ, who had all the privileges that were rightly his as king of the universe, what he did was, instead, he gave them up. Listen to this. He had every right to stay comfortably where he was in a position of power. But his love drove him to a position of weakness for the sake of sinful mankind. Jesus took on weakness so that man can be saved. Like, think about the attitude behind such a person. Think about the life that Jesus lived out before the followers, before his disciples. Think about what the, 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 the thoughts of angels in glory. Think about the saints in glory. Like what? His love drives him in a position of weakness for the sake of those sinful humans. And all of us in here could say, thank you, Lord, for taking on weakness. How many of you are weak in your life? Like you have a weakness. Hey, some of our weaknesses we wouldn't even dare tell some people. It's, uh, we all have them. And the Lord dressed himself into that weakness so he could love you and so he could show you hope and win mankind think about this that though he was rich for our sake he became poor that now by his poverty we in return might become rich we i always tell my brother i don't know i don't, know where he's at, I don't see him Eli, i always tell him you're rich i'm always reminding him he's rich I look at Eli, he's like, man, everything's going good. I say, because like, you're rich. And when things are not going in his life, good in his life, I go, because you're rich. I go, wherever you're at in life, lift up your head and remember this, that there's a promise in you that in your poverty, man, Christ took it on so that now you could go from poverty to richness. Now you could go, man, from hell to heaven, from death to life, from darkness to light, from poverty to richness. It, it all depends how you, how you define what richness truly is. Because I know some very rich people monetarily that are actually some of the poorest people I know. And I know some of the poorest people monetarily that are actually some of the richest people that I know. Because richness is not found in the dollar sign. But richness is found in the depth of your soul. In the heart of your attitude. In what Christ has done in you. That's where your richness is. Hey church, church, listen. You're rich because he took on poverty to make you rich. Man. And you know why he did this? Number one, he gave up his privileges. Hey, church, can you imagine if we had the same attitude of Jesus and we too move away from our privileges? That, that our attitudes would be of that of Christ, that, that whatever we feel that we are entitled to, come on, or that we have the right in, that we should think less of ourselves. And can you actually think about this? And actually think more about the needs of others? Can you imagine how powerful that would be when it's less of you and more about others? The mind and attitude of Christ that would give up self-privileges, listen, so that others can share in the same privileges. Maybe you have a bad attitude because you've always lived for yourself. And do you know That you weren't supposed to carry that weight. And you were never created to live for yourself. That's the message of the world. That's the burden of the world. But I promise you that if you begin to live for others, you're going to make yourself better. You're going to feel better about yourself. Because never once was God's people ever created to live for themselves. Everything about your being was created to live for others. How many of you could say amen? Always remember this. If you want to write this down, you can. The more empty you are of yourself, the fully, the fuller you actually feel, the fuller you actually become. Live empty and you actually stay full. I promise you that. So point number one, you want to have a shift in your attitude. Here it is. Ready? Give up my privileges. Say that. Give up my privileges. Give it up. Give it up. More empty of me. And I'll actually become more full. Number two, the second thing that Christ shows us is he takes on the position of slave. I shared with you a moment ago that I have a whole preaching. Please go to our app. Please go to our website. Download it. Click on it. It's a message that is titled, Let's Be Great. And we said there that the way to greatness is through servanthood. If you can't be a slave to others, if you can't serve others, you're gonna always live with the void. You're gonna always be absent of what true greatness is. We defined that for 60 minutes, we just exhausted it. That sometimes our attitudes are drastically transformed just by serving others, meeting others' needs. That when we see the happiness in their hearts, we become filled with joy in our soul. I really encourage you, I don't have time to jump into number two, but there is a whole, I promise you, hour-long teaching on that. Number two, if you're going to have a good attitude this year, man, if you want to have a shift in your life, I promise you this, man, take on the position of slave. Actually begin to serve others. Don't be so big, so big, so important that you can't serve someone and that you can't love someone. Because then, like I shared a couple weeks ago, you'll be too small to ever lead, you'll be too small to lead, if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead, amen, change your attitude, shift your attitude, be a slave, be a servant unto others, number three, humble ourselves, everyone say humble, Humble. myself, I know it's a bad word, Jesus took on a humble position like he became man. A position of weakness and poverty, as I just shared, to make us strong and rich. An attitude of Christ that he had that we don't even understand. To truly understand this, to giving up all privileges so he could come and win man's heart. But but listen to this. Christ knew that it would have to be done through serving. That if he was first a slave first for us, humbling himself first for us, never putting on pride, never boasting in himself or about himself, then there, then there, because yes, he had all the right and he has still all the right, but instead he tells us that he made himself of no reputation. Instead it says that he emptied himself and he took on the form of slave. I love love how the message says it. Listen to this. I think we're going to put it up here. It says this. When the time came, He set aside the privileges of deity and he took on the status of a slave. He became human and having become human, he stayed human. He he didn't just come like, oh, this is a bad idea. God, zap me back up. (laughs) He stayed human and having become human, it was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. The late John Stott said this, and I want to share with you guys, ready? Pride is your greatest enemy, and humility is your greatest friend. And that's the truth in all of our lives. There is no way that any of us will ever have a shift or a good attitude in our hearts and our lives and our person if we are rooted in pride. I'm telling you that if you've ever been around a prideful person, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth and you almost don't want to hang out with that person anymore. You probably can understand what I'm talking about. Pride is your greatest enemy. Pride moves people away from you. Pride actually moves God away from you. Pride is what started Satan and started Lucifer thinking in his mind, hmm, you know what? I've been here for thousands and thousands and thousands and who knows how many years, standing before the presence of God, singing music unto the God in his throne. Me and all my angels have been just singing and worshiping the Lord. And one day, as he's staring at God sitting on his throne, he says, well, I could set my throne higher than God, and mine could be higher than the heavens. And he says five times, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. On his fifth I will, rooted in pride, God has to take him and kick him out of heaven. I'm telling you, pride. Pride is disastrous for all mankind. Pride is, is, is one of the worst things that you could carry. Pride is the root of all sin, man. Hey, I'm sinning in my life. I feel like I can't get free from this sin. Look deep inside. Maybe there's an issue of pride deep in there, which is the reason why that sin continues. And then this third point is so important. Humble ourselves. We, we need to recognize if there is Pride. One of my favorites is C.S. Lewis, and my favorite book, if you know that, is Mere Christianity. And in Mere Christianity, in one of his chapters called The Great Sin, I want to quote him and what he writes, and listen to this. C.S. Lewis says this, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all of that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Then he goes on later in the chapter and he says this. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and in every family since the world began. Hey, point number three, ready? Humble myself. Humble myself. A shift in attitude. Lord, I need to be humbled. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. One translation says, Pride lands you flat on your face. Isn't that awesome? But humility prepares you for honors. I believe this, that pride brings us low, Like Proverbs says, it lands us flat on our face. Low, especially in our attitudes. That pride damages our attitudes. That because of it, it becomes an attitude in which we feel we are worthy. In which we feel we deserve. It becomes an attitude in which affects your ministry. Affects the people you do life with. Affects your friendships affects your marriages, affects your work. It affects your walk with Jesus. And then it says the humble in spirit retain honor. I've been in life and I've been dealing with people in life for a long time and dealing with my own self. And I've recognized that whenever there's an issue between two people, it's not necessarily because one is wrong and one is right. That's not always the case. Whenever there's an issue between two people, it comes to this simple fact. It's because one of them or both of them are carrying pride, and one of them or both of them does not want to lower that pride. You'll be amazed of how many people in the faith have separated themselves because of an issue called pride. Can I talk to your heart for a second? What's gonna happen when we get to heaven? And there's no pride there. You're going to be forced to talk to that person and worship with that person. Pride damages our attitudes, man. We need a shift in our attitude. There's no way that our attitudes are ever going to change if we're not willing to admit to our pride. And admit that we need to be humbled before the presence of God. Number three, humble yourself so that there could be a shift in your attitude. How many of you could say "Man"? And I love this fourth one. He says, be obedient. Be obedient. Instead, he lived a, he lived a selfless, obedient life. Everyone say, be obedient. Be obedient. Yeah, just so you can say One more time, be obedient. be obedient. Yeah, look at the person next to you and jab him and say, be obedient. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life, and he died a selfless, obedient death, Scripture says. He became obedient to the point of death. Guys, really, don't don't let that become so religious that you you forget the meaning of it. Because some of us become so religious that we're like, oh, yeah, he became obedient to the point of death. Such a cool Scripture. No, he became obedient to the point of death. It's not like don't get overly religious that you forget that and what that really means for us. What kind of death? Say that. What kind of death? Oh yeah, even the death of the cross. Which was the worst, the worst death. And whatever the cost, just like Christ, that we would lay it down for his perfect will. Hey, everyone don't out raise your hand. Everyone in here following God, you're obedient to God, you're in his perfect will, huh? You're obedient to it, whatever the cost, but it hurts sometimes. I know it's supposed to always feel good. Oh, but I just feel, it's not supposed to. Did you think that following God and being obedient to his will was always going to be rosy? You didn't think you were going to have trials. You didn't think you were going to have tribulations. You didn't think people were going to trash you. You didn't think people were going to walk on you. Sometimes following God is actually harder than it is easy. But it doesn't mean you stop. You're obedient. You keep going. You keep reaching forward. You keep aiming for the upward prize. You don't stop. You continue. You move on. The race goes on. We're obedient. We don't end the race. We don't stop. We don't wave the flag. If Christ was able to live a selfless, obedient life to the point of death, what am I going to do? How can I complain that whatever the cost, I'm going to do the same? Nothing can change someone's life. Nothing can change, man, someone's attitude. Like the truth of the scripture and like the truth of God's word. Listen to this, being obedient to God and to his word can only do but one thing, and that is to change a hardened attitude and make it soft, make it gentle, make it wise like Christ. But we have to be obedient to his word. You know, I always say this. I say this a lot to the leaders. I say this to people. God doesn't want to change your personality. He gave that to you. He does not want to change that. So, So don't listen to people that are trying to change your personality. Shame on them and shame on you if you're allowing things and people to change your personality. Your personality is a gift from God. Keep your personality. Not everyone's loud. Not everyone's quiet. Not everyone's in a cave. Not everyone's out because they want to see them. Like everyone is a little bit different. Every personality is a little bit different. But what God does want to change is your character, is your attitude he wants to make your character into his your attitude into his that's what he really wants to transform <laughs> be obedient john 8 31 and 32 says if you abide in my word you are then what my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth we all man when we're praying in circles of fire and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And we start praying, and we're crying, and we're sweating, but do you really understand and know what that verse means? If you abide in my, we all want to say, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But we always forget the front part of that verse is, is, and it says what? If you know my word, if you keep it, then you're my disciples, and in that truth, it's going to set you free. It's in the obedience in the word of God which brings forth that freedom that you're you're praying for. Sometimes we we do feel that the louder we pray and the more ferocious we preach and that, that, oh man, I'm going to definitely be set free. But no, sometimes it's as simple as simple obedience. Oh, man. Sometimes that's simple as waking up in the morning and deciding for yourself to live in holiness and in godliness rather than in sin. Sometimes it's that simple to live free. Because I know people in this room, man, that struggle with some real serious things, but they're living in victory. You want to know why? Because they wake up every single day deciding I'm going to serve God rather than my flesh today. Come on. Be obedient. When? 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 Always. At whatever cost. What do I be obedient to? Heck, not to me. To the word of God. To the truth of God. Obedient. Abide in my word. Fellowship in my word. Tabernacle in my word. Root in my word. You will be my disciple. And you, you, you will know freedom, true freedom, free indeed. I believe this, abiding in his word, meaning remaining obedient to his word, that we know the truth and that truth sets us free. I know that. And I know that one of the things that his word, that his truth sets us free from is from a bad and a wrong attitude. I know that. I saw this saying and I just want to share it with you. You probably saw it. Or seen it before, but I thought it was cute. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere until you change it, huh? My daughter's in agreement. Jade, say it, baby. i don't tell her to stop preaching. Say, Dad, I preach. Ah. That attitude is like a flat tire. You can't get anywhere until you change it. I'm gonna ask the worship team. Don't get distracted. If you want, I'll stop talking so they could come up and want to worship the Lord again. I believe that there's some people in here that, that really just need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I need a shift in my attitude. I feel that God is really speaking to us from the last week, and then Wednesday. And today, that, that truly there's, there's some reason why he's just sitting on this attitude stuff. And I believe that there are many of us in here that have been trying to get somewhere for a very long time, huh? But sometimes it's just like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm going, but I can't get far because I'm riding on the rim. I'm on a flat tire. And today, you've preached this, and I've recognized that God is telling me I need to change this, I need a shift in my attitude. I'm not going to go anywhere this year unless I change it. This year, 17, is going to be a repetition of years past unless I do something today to change that. I heard one preacher says this, if you don't work at it, it will never work itself out by itself. There's got to be a responsibility on your behalf that you work at it. Because I know how it is when I come to Christ, I come to Christ, I just figure, like, God, I'm with you now. You can make everything like, happen. But the truth is God calls us to work at it, to work it out, and it's going to work itself out, amen? That we would have a shift in our attitude, that we would give up our privileges, that we would take on the position of slave, that we would humble ourselves, that we would be obedient at whatever cost. Remember what I said, man, about attitude. I'll, I'll share that quote one more time. The greatest day in your life and mine is when we take total responsibility for our attitudes. That's the day that we truly grow up. I want to share something with you guys today. As we talk about being obedient, as we close off, listen, you can't have a good day with a bad attitude. Can't. How many of you every morning, you're longing, okay, today's going to be the good day. You start it and it's another bad day. You can't have a good day with a bad attitude. But I'm going to tell you something right now. You can't have a bad day with a good attitude. Did you hear that? You can't have a bad day with a good attitude. I've seen people in the fire, and there's a smile on their face. What the heck are you doing smiling? Because they have a good attitude in a bad day. So bad day didn't exist for them that day. That's, God, you know anyone like that? They're weird. They're awesome people. But for many of us in this room, we've been longing for good days, but we've been holding on to bad attitudes. And I believe that today's word has really rocked your life to tell you today. You want to shift? Well, guess what? I'm going to start in a place where you probably didn't want me to start at. I'm going to start with that attitude of yours. Can I tell you something? It's okay. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the process. You won't fail if you do that. Proverbs teaches us proverbs 3 5 and 6 it says to trust in the lord with what all your heart you know what it's saying there it's saying to be obedient with all of your being trust in him to to trust in something to trust in someone we must be obedient to that if not we don't trust it i think about people that lift i think about athletes that exercise and train think about boxers before they get into the ring what they go through months before I think about athletes and the preseason and what they endure through there's something about them that they say I need to trust the process of pain I need to trust the process of whatever it is that I'm going through because I've recognized that at the end there's a fruitful result can you imagine if that boxer He's about to sign a contract for $10 million. But all he needs to do is get into that ring. That's all he needs to do. Get into the ring. Let the bell ring. And you automatically got your $10 million. Even if the wind of Mike Tyson, remember those fights? Would knock them down without Mike Tyson ever touching someone. I've never met a fighter that knocks people down without touching them. I would would have fought it too because how scary that is. You will receive your $10 million as long as you get in the ring. And they received the reward of that. They got into the ring and they prepared themselves for it. But can you imagine that months before the ring, months before the game, months before the race, they would have dropped out. They would have left it. Can you imagine that? It would have lost out on the reward because when I read the Bible the contract says what finish the race run the race and finish it run the race with endurance Timothy I fought I finished the race Pa trusted the process Because of the eternal glory that awaited ahead of him. But you know before he ever got to the eternal glory ahead of him, he was left for dead, beaten, scourged. Paul blasphemed, I mean, spoken bad about. But he trusted the process of training on earth to receive a reward of eternity in heaven with Christ. Proverbs writes a truth and he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. I can't. I won't. I will never. I never have. I'm not able. It's never going to happen. There's no way. Take that out of your vocabulary because none of those words ever come out of God's mouth. Instead, he says things like, I'm, I'm more than able. All things are possible. in me." He says everything the opposite that your flesh and that your mind and that the world actually tells you. You say, I can't. And he's like, what do you mean I'm going to? You say, I won't. And he's like, what do you mean I've already done it? if if you really are quiet and don't let the distraction and don't let the noise and don't let all that stuff clutter you you will actually hear a still small voice that is rooting you on pushing you forward that is telling you don't give up don't give it be obedient there's more there's more in me i've done it i've done it and i will do it what voices do we hear what people influence us do not depend on your own understanding what is your own understanding telling you about yourself? Everyone say this. Who cares starting today? What does your own understanding tell you about yourself? I've had people stand in front of my face and tell me, you're not called to be a pastor. And for moments, I believed them. And I went months believing them. And I was like, oh my God, I did everything wrong. I can't believe this. I'm not being a pastor. That person just, since when did that person have influence to tell me that I wasn't called to preach the gospel? Pre- you'll be amazed and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about the, 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 the things that people tell you the things that you tell yourself since when were you called to depend on your own understanding or on others understanding the word of God tells me you trust in the Lord instead with all of your heart verse 6 says you seek his will in all that you do that his will man it's only going to be found in his word seek him in all that you do and He's going to show you which paths to take. Hey, are you confused on your path? Are you confused on your path? Yes. Search and seek Him in all that you do. Because I promise you that if you seek Him in all you do, He shows you the paths to take. And the path is blurry. And the path is wrongly taken in. Because maybe, maybe, we haven't lived true to the Scripture Maybe it's because I stopped seeking him in everything that I did. Have you noticed that when you sought him with all that you did, everything was going great in a sense? In the sense of following him in his will. But the moment that we started to stop seeking him, paths got blurry. Our flesh rose up. We began to depend on our own understanding rather than what God first spoke to us. I believe this for our church. This could be an amazing year. But it first we'll start with a shift in Our attitude and a shift about what we even believe about ourselves. Not because of what we say, not because of what others say, but because of what he says. And he says this, and always remember this, that when you pass through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, they shall not drown you. And when you walk through the fires of oppression, you shall not be burned. For I am the Lord your God, your Savior. That's what he says to us today. That's what he says so today. I ask you to stand with me. And I say this today with all truth behind it. Ready? Lift, lift the shift. Lift the shift in your life. Lift the shift. How many of you today? The Lord is speaking to you. And today you can't run from this world. Let's worship. Come up to this altar. Get lost in his presence. And say, Lord, you touch me today. Don't let me get off of this altar until you just, you just engulf me with your presence and, and shift my attitude today. So as we worship the Lord and you need to run up here get on your knees come up here and open up your hands don't wait for anyone to come up here I haven't even asked anyone to come and pray for you just you and God right now in his presence you and God separated from everyone else and anything else and right here in the altar make that step and say God I need a shift in so many things in my life I need a shift in my attitude I need to be obedient in so many things There's So everything that he said God it's you're speaking to me I need to lift the shift in my life do this work in me so if that's you I invite you up and we're going to worship the Lord one more time and get lost in the presence of God and ask God to continue to move in you and speak in you and if people have come up I want you right there where you're at just from where you're at just if you're fine if you're well your attitude is dandy and you're great just, just whatever your manner is just right there where you're at just pray for the rain. just stretch out your hands close your eyes look up to the heavens whatever it is but begin to pray for these people right there in your seat begin to lift them up and say, Lord, you know them. I pray over them right now. Begin to pray. Let's worship him.